0: Good morning everybody, Hi. great to see you all, um, just to double check that you're in the right place, I don't know what the exact title is, but this is <coughs> Church Planting adventury Type Thing, Practical, I think tomorrow Steph and Morris are doing the kind of envisioning theology stuff, so today we will just be nuts and bolts, I'm sure. My name's Tom, um, and let me introduce the speakers here this morning, we've got the wonderful Kevin John Jones, all the way from Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> Two. Two. <laughs> Simon John. Roger Simon John Eaton, all the way from Leland, France. <laughs> Beautiful. Josie Ann Shaw. <laughs>
1: Josephine,
0: Josephine. <laughs> Ann Shaw, my wife, all the way from California. Yes. Uh, um, my name is Tom. I'm also in California with my wife. And we have an hour, now 55 minutes, and we're going to try and honour that so that you get a break between uh, you know, the next thing happening. So the plan today is going to be, I'm just going to do a two minute quick intro, you can time me, I'll aim to be two minutes, and then I'm going to ask these guys to share um, following this kind of uh, fourfold structure that was, uh, I originally heard this, um, Ashley Smythe, married to PJ Smythe, um, she was interviewed and uh, she used this fourfold sort of flow of the process that often we go through. Um, when God is calling us on some kind of church planting adventure. See the connection there with the title? Um, But I mean, just to state the obvious by way of introduction, we believe in church planting. Amen? Amen. we passionately believe theologically in its huge importance and we also believe just experientially that when you look at how most successfully our communities broken into there is something about church planting as our primary kind of vehicle for extending the kingdom that is just hugely hugely fruitful as churches get bigger they invariably have to fight holding on to people in terms of them staying effective discipleship makers there's something about church planting that seems to be so connected with a great fruit in terms of breaking into communities with the kingdom of god so we are committed to it and uh, in his brilliant book paul's missionary methods any of you guys read that book by roland allen Write that one down first of all. That book is outstanding. Written by a vicar about 100 years ago. But it is, in my view, one of the best, most (laughs) insightful books on church planting. And it is just a brilliant study of Paul's missionary methods. And that's terribly releasing actually. Steph's giving the thumbs up, so that's a double thumbs up. It is a brilliant book uh, about trusting the Holy Spirit, even when you feel weak and fragile in terms of, of going to the places he's telling you to go. And um, he makes the comment in the opening paragraph that apparently, you know, in your book, in, in in your the maps in your Bible, there's the three main missionary methods. All of that happened, they think, in about ten years. Isn't that amazing? That after that, the start of Paul's first missionary method to the end of it, when he could then say, my work here is done and I'm pushing on. All of that happened in ten years. You're Can have a ooh, ooh? I mean, I find that mind blowing incredibly inspiring what God can do in just 10 years. I mean, it's a bit depressing when I think about what God's done in my life in 10 years, but also very inspiring. But here's the reality. When you look in the New Testament at the actual process in Paul's life, he wasn't some kind of robot who just mechanically machine gunned his way through places. We see this, don't we? We see this happening again and again. The leaving and the grieving the arriving, and then the thriving. (coughs) Paul wasn't some kind of robot man who just machine-gunned his way around. So today we've got this amazing tension of God, in ten short years, doing an amazing thing, but at the same time, what we want to do today is unpack through the life of these modern-day Pauls, and Paulers, what it's like, what it's really practically like. And we're aiming to be finished with about 10 minutes uh, for Q&A, so please do make a note as we go along if you feel any nudge of the Holy Spirit or you've got a question um, to to ask at the end. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the final thing to say is um, these guys are going to endeavour to major on one of these sections. We've combined the first two just because of speed. Um, So Josie's going to kick off and she's going to major on the leaving and grieving bit, but she will touch briefly upon the arriving and thriving careful major on the arriving element but touch on the other guys and then Roger will major on the thriving but let me just pray and then we uh, we will commit our time to the Lord Father I want to thank you so much that we can actually believe that through our weak fragile lives you can do amazing things so we just start this day and we want to say because of our faith in you we shrug off Lord timidity, false humility, as we heard last night, and we want to ask for an impartation of courage and power. Say power. Power. That is our actual inheritance. So I pray today as we look at this. I just also want to break, up, break off if there's any condemnation or shame or people here in the comparison trap or feeling like, oh, I've disqualified myself because of these things. We just pray for freedom in Christ today. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay, let's welcome the lovely Josephine sure. <laughs> just said he's going to give me a two-minute warning so I don't talk too much.
1: Um, Okay, so I feel a complete fraud standing here because I have never actually church planted, sorry about that. But I have moved to a completely uh, different culture and have definitely been through the stage of leaving and grieving. We have arrived and we are thriving, I think. Um, but we also have really involved in sending people as a church for many years and we have had the privilege of supporting the joneses in helsinki and the Etons in leal the pierces in colchester and um, out of city there have been yeah so many people have who have been called and sent by us so i have kind of seen it from afar and we have had the privilege of going to visit many of these church plants as well and kind of yeah i think i understand i went into moving to a new culture very much with my eyes open because i knew kind of the challenges as well as the celebrations Um, so i'm going to focus on the leaving and grieving because i think whatever you're doing whether you're moving to a new culture to be part of another church or whether you're going to be planting this stage is kind of the same um, no matter what you're doing um so for me personally uh, it all started a few years back when Tom became friends with Travis and Tiffany Eklund, who um, are part of Lead Radio Church in California. He met them and um, had an instant kind of link. Uh, for many of us women, what happens is we're at home, literally holding the babies, and our, our husbands go off and do these exciting things and get excited, and come back and start to talk about. Um, feeling a nudge, feeling a call, and we have to process that while we're changing nappies and getting very much involved in our communities, you know. Um, The last 10 years for me has been about really getting stuck in Canterbury, um, in the church, but also in my community, seeing people get saved, seeing people come on alphas, um, and I was loving doing what I was doing. And to be honest, America, I was not brought up in a family where we... um, (laughs) My, my family, probably the most anti-America, anti-globalisation family that you could possibly come from. My dad doesn't believe in getting on planes to go anywhere. Um, so for us to go to America, um, I think if Tom had talked about us going to India or to Africa, I would have been much more positive. But to go to somewhere that I saw, particularly California, that was incredibly shiny and um, was incredibly Christian as well, I I really struggled with that. So we had a long period of me saying, don't talk about it, don't even talk about it. I don't wanna think about it. And um, during that time, Tom was getting kind of prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, but I wasn't in the room. Um, And I was praying about it, but to be honest, I was more, that's for three years, five years down the line. Um, But I think uh, as these things do, things started to snowball. And I did start to realize this was going to happen. Most things that Tom kind of gets excited about do tend to happen. So um, we got to a point where I really needed to kind of make a decision about it and when we were going to be going. And um, I just felt a huge amount of fear. I think for me, the leaving was so much more difficult than I had imagined. We had been in Canterbury for 20 years. We had been there as students. We got married there. The church had kind of been the third person in our marriage. Um, And my ties, my roots went incredibly deep. Um, So leaving, I felt like we weren't finished. I'm a completed finisher. So it just felt like, but we haven't seen all the things that we dreamed of seeing happen. We haven't seen those people get saved. We we haven't um, got building yet. We haven't got this project started yet. You know, there was just so many things. So that was really hard i felt like i was letting everyone down um, before even anybody knew about it i felt like i was letting them down and also from my family um my older sister had already moved to new zealand and taken all the grandkids with her and um my mum was going through cancer treatment she's on her own so i was supporting her through that and going through the chemo with her and couldn't tell her so it just felt like from my family perspective um it was incredibly difficult and I just felt like I was um, just, just in pu- being pushed into a corner. Um, a couple of best friends knew about it, but that was all. Um, and I felt like, I don't know if you've been this kind of place, but I felt like God is surely going to speak to me. He's given Tom all these words. He's going to speak to me. And it just kind of wasn't happening. I mean, I was crying out to God, but it, I just wasn't um, getting one of those dramatic words, which meant I felt completely sure. Um, but then I had a dream. And in the dream, um, it was one of those dreams where you jump off a cliff. And um, I jumped off the cliff in the dream, had that experience of, of kind of terrifying feeling of jumping off something. And then what happened was, it was more like a step off something. And so rather than me falling to my death, I kind of just instead stepped onto like a ledge And there was this incredible sense of relief going through me Um, and I just felt like God was saying I'm gonna need you to take this step I'm gonna need you to take this jump and trust Tom and trust that I've spoken but I'm gonna catch you and it isn't gonna be as bad as you think it isn't gonna be as awful (laughs) as you think I'm actually Going to be with you, and I'm going to lead you and guide you and give you what you need. And um, I really felt that that was kind of how things progressed. Then I I got a piece when we communicated it with people. With my family, it was awful. You know, be prepared for that if you're thinking about church planting. It is really hard for family, particularly if when you're telling grandparents. Um, but they get there, and actually, I would say it's been so good for my mum and dad. Um, they have had to lean on God in a, in a way they never have before um, and not lean on me so I think although it feels like you're being very cool to be kind it has actually been really positive for them in the long run um, and I think telling the church was nowhere they didn't mind at all The church, <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually the City Church has flourished in our absence so I think a lot of, um, a lot of those concerns um, when, you know, it actually was fine. Um, we then had a year, pretty much, of waiting for our visa and that limbo land, I'm sure if you've just planted, uh, where you're waiting for things to happen, waiting for jobs, you've told everyone you're leaving. It's that kind of pregnancy thing where people are like, haven't you had it yet? You know, and like, are you still here? And blatantly still here. Um, we, you know with California it's just everyone thinks you're joking that you're moving to California anyway so everyone's like you're still here you're lying that so you're going but um so that stage was strange but I think by the time we actually left um we did feel kind of not relieved but I think we definitely felt a sense of excitement and we've kind of done that part of the journey. We've left well. It felt like we were able to tie up loads of loose ends, spend really quality time with family. Um, And when we got on that plane to go, it felt like, yes, we're on an adventure and the kids were with us and it was exciting. Um, Grieving is an interesting one. Um, I definitely felt like, because it had been such a hard journey, the, the reality of going, Um, I really felt like I had gone through a lot of the grieving process um, and actually kind of felt like I'd gone through it before we actually left but actually there was a whole kind of second wave of grief I think when you move to a new culture. Um, In John 12, um, the well-known verse It says, um, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And um, I think when you move to a new country, actually, it's quite easy to think you're able to retain quite a bit of your old life, keep in contact, be in both worlds, And actually I quickly realised I needed to let things die. Um, And I'm not very good at always listening. And so I feel like almost God made that happen. I went through a very dark period, I think, where I didn't really want to communicate with anyone. And (laughs) back home anyway, I didn't want to see Facebook and I didn't want to to know what was going on back home. And actually that that was really healthy. It was like going through a winter where everything kind of dies off. Um, and actually that made room for me to really rely on new people in my new setting and really strengthen relationships um, in Visalia where we were based and I think when people see you when you're vulnerable and when you're You're trying to explain to them the loss, you know of where you come from um, I think actually that really made those relationships go so much deeper for both of us um, I think Grieving is such an important part of the process of leaving somewhere, and obviously we don't want to make it sound like all doom and gloom, but actually there's something really positive about grieving. I think the way it forces you into a relationship with your Heavenly Father, um, which should be the same no matter whether you stay or go, you know, I think... um, Grieving does something like nothing else. It really does become just about you and God and getting those foundations right and relying on Him for everything. Um, And I think I really experienced that, that I needed to get that relationship right with Him. I needed to be remaining in Him and abiding in Him um, in this new place, just in the same way as I needed to do back in Canterbury. So I think out of that, came, I guess the arriving kind of took place at the same time as the grieving really, kind of getting used to a different culture. Although they speak the same language, it is very different. To be honest, they don't speak the same language. They just look at us all the time like, what? Like when you ask for butter in the supermarket, they're like, what? Because they say, brr, (laughs) brr. It's just crazy. So there's lots of things which you think is the same, but they don't, like, it's not the same. Um, and just the way they interact is very different as well and um, when they say things it's not always what you think they mean so I think getting, a new, getting used to a new culture cross-culturally is difficult even if they speak English um, and thriving, um, I would say the last few months it's been interesting I'm, I'm very into nature and the seasons and I, I think we went through definitely a real winter time during the winter where things were killed off well, actually it felt a little bit like a hibernation we came together as a family and actually it really was something wonderful in our family where we kind of hunkered down a little bit we had people we saw but it i think we needed to to survive kind of be like guys we're in this together you know let's watch MCI I- player, have some Cadbury's chocolate, and um, you know, get used to being here and pray as a family. And um, and it felt a bit like little hedgehogs hibernating together to to kind of get used to this new place. But then in the spring, it definitely has felt like we have been thriving and relationships um, have really blossomed. Um, we've got to know people outside the church. Uh, we've got to see some people who have been really hurt by the <coughs> church come back in, which has been so significant. Um, and I feel like there's definitely lots of things about the culture um, and just the environment that we really love now. Um, and I know because we moved to California, you probably think it's all just beautiful and wonderful when we're with George Clooney at the beach. But we actually live in the desert, three hours from the coast and even just the um physical environment has been quite hard to get used to the heat and just the way they do life because of the heat um so it's taken us a while to get used to that but i'd say now we really feel like we're in our groove and we've got used to um yeah just some of those different tensions and i think something just to say if you are going to plant cross-culturally I think for a long time i was comparing everything to the uk in that really annoying way you know in the uk we do this or why do you do that and i really feel like that was something i had to change um, and something that naturally has changed in this thriving part that um, i really appreciate now lots of things about the culture that are wonderful and can praise it and can see the good in it rather than continually referring back to <laughs> what we do in England um, and and I think that's really important for people to embrace you and to let you into their lives as well it's great Is that okay it's perfect <laughs>
2: <laughs> Woo! what a great speaker yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I also had the uh, problem with um, the word butter in Finnish.
3: Uh, it's more is it? complex. It? It? Uh, it's
2: boy, uh, boy. But uh boy A also means old dear, so <laughs> yeah. Buttery. Um, it's great to it's great to hear these stories because um I think something something gets really released when we hear the stories that that's so important and it says um says in the bible doesn't it that um the testimony of Jesus doesn't it the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and as we share these stories it can then give release for for more to come mm, yeah. and uh, really even even now just really pray that for everyone here that we can we can hear this stuff we can share in one another's stories but ultimately that it leads to a a release uh, for for more to happen. Um, We moved to to Finland in 2013 and uh, we've been planting Risen Light Church and um, I'd, like to, I'd like to be able to say once we move that the, the, the grieving was done and the challenges were over but, but really it was just the beginning And um, it's, but it's okay, it's okay to, to say that, I really think it's okay and we need, we need to say that because otherwise when we do it and then it's challenging then we think maybe something's going wrong or you know it's, it's more difficult or whatever but actually it's okay to, to say that it's, that it's really hard and um, I guess, I guess one, of the hardest, one of the hardest moments, really, was um, two of the hardest moments. One was, one was sat outside our rented house and we we'd packed everything into a van. And uh, just sitting, sitting there on the grass, had a team of people having to, to, to clean up and pack the van and all of that. And um, Barry was, was going to drive the, the van across Europe, we were going to drive together. And um, we just we would just sat outside and really just hit this wave of like what what am I doing <laughs> what am I doing <laughs> the kids were running around outside they had no clue that we were about to kind of really they knew we were going somewhere but they didn't know what was, that it was uh, you know that it was going to be minus twenty eight <laughs> what am I doing and and. Um, <coughs> I think it's all right to not know to not know the answers about that. Yeah. It's really all right and and I just would encourage everyone today that that we can't we just can't know. Mm. We just can't know and I, I think God God speaks to us in different ways yeah. and um, God wants to God has different ways of mobilizing us and we 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 can't say oh it has to be this way and then I know then I'll know that I can go. Mm. We've all got different stories, and and for us it was sitting sitting outside on on the grass, and everything everything was in this one truck, and and also we didn't know where we were going to live when we when we got to Finland because we'd had a lot of problems with um like um kind of Finnish bureaucracy, and uh, it'd been a real challenge to to rent uh, an apartment, and, and we couldn't, we just couldn't. Um, so we 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 drove off Barry and I drove off and we didn't know where we were going to park this van of, this van load of furniture and um, it's crazy. we got we got halfway across Germany I think it was when when I got a call from, from the from the lady that was going to employ it, Lydia my my wife um, and she said she said well. I've just realized you're coming you've left now you're coming and um you, I understand how it can be coming into to Finland and do you think would it would it help if I rented an apartment for you to, to the company wow. and we we wow. were halfway across across Europe at that point and um of course, um, yeah, we, we asked what colour the curtains were. And we didn't, we didn't. Um, he said, yes, Then thank you very much. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, God, God, God doesn't sell us short. He really doesn't sell us short. And um, he, he provides for, for us, not just, not just in the kind of, you know, the Hudson Taylor books and all that stuff, but he, he really does provide for us and um, we read about we read about what it must have been like um, for the, the disciples getting called away from their their, their fishing jobs and uh, coming to, to follow Jesus and and it's a nice little couple of lines it's just a couple of lines isn't it and Jesus asked them to follow him and, and they do and we don't really know doesn't really go into what the what the heart of that really really feels like mm. but but um, we, we we have to we have to live out the Bible in order to really in order to really know. Yeah. Mm. So when we live out the Bible, then we start to, to really know. And, and and this stuff is true. Mm. Mm. This stuff is really true. Amen. God God is generous. Mm. He's he's so kind and he he wants to he wants to give. He wants to bless. He's not, he's not stingy, he's not waiting for us to, to trip up, but he wants to bless. And we, we need to come with that, that mindset mm-hmm. when, we, when, we, um, when we arrive in some, some far off place or some, or some town that's just down the road or wherever it is mm-hmm. that, that God wants to, to bless us and wants to, wants to provide for us. And, um, and that was our story, that was our story. It was really hard. It was really hard, and we we had to um, um, we both we both applied for jobs. That Lydia and I we both both applied for jobs, and we just said because we just we didn't want to arrive in Finland in the middle of winter because that would be really hard because it's dark and it's cold and it just wouldn't wouldn't have helped our family to to adjust. So we said we've really we've really got to arrive in the summer. So we both applied for jobs, and there was a kind of. Quite a tight window of when, if we get jobs, we can go, and if we don't, we have to then kind of reset it to the the next year. So um, we said, whoever gets first gets the job. They do that. That means you can enter into into Finland, and whoever doesn't get the job will look after the children and help with all of the kind of admin stuff about immigration stuff like that. So, so she was the first one to get the job, um, which was amazing. She she sacrificed. Um, been staying at home as a mom and went into into working um, in a, a finish um, in, a, in a daycare um, so looking after three three and four year olds um, she did that I, I I stayed at home with the kids which I made a terrible job of (laughs) and and it was so hard, it was the hardest, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, really, really and they're amazing kids, they're amazing kids but it just wasn't me, it just wasn't me and um, we got through it and again God was so kind but I'd had this amazing job and uh, had my own office and a window and everything and suddenly, (laughs) suddenly you're kind of doing all this other, completely other, other stuff, looking after the children, but also bringing them along to these offices and stuff, to these immigration places and stuff like that. So trying to kind of, they weren't in schools at this point because we had not got them into schools, and then trying to kind of take them along with me with enough things to do and all of that so that we could go and meet these people in these offices to try and, try and get some kind of um, residency status in, in Finland it was really hard one time. One time we were at the police station to meet someone from the police who would sign off if if we could stay. And um, it's all high high security in this place, really modern. And um, Barnabas was, I think three at the time, he somehow managed to find some kind of control unit that that <laughs> killed all the lights. <laughs> Brilliant. And then, and then they went into this kind of high security <laughs> lockdown mode. Is someone going you know, to throw a smoke grenade in? Or something like that. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a disaster. That was that kind of stuff was happening every day. <laughs> it was a disaster. But um, and, and even now, when I, uh, a couple of years ago I changed my phone and then it kind of updated to so all, all the stuff that was on the old phone came onto the new phone and all these photos were coming up of, through this time and I almost just couldn't even look at them. Because well. it, it was such a hard time, I almost couldn't even look at them, you know there's this day when we were doing this and stuff, it was just it's just too much. Um, to to even think about it sometime now, it's really hard, really hard. But once you you get going, you just have to keep going. And Mike was talking about that last night, wasn't he? Once you keep going, you have to keep going. And and I think just getting going is a real key, is a real key. Because we often don't do things because we don't quite get going. And it's less, once we get going, it's less that it's not going to happen because, oh, we just decide to stop. But actually, we don't, we don't get going. And I, I was reading about this guy, um, <coughs> um, Roger, Roger came on the Eurostar. I was reading about this guy when there was, a, there was a kind of, someone brought a gun onto the, the Eurostar and there was a, a kind of terrorist um, Incident, and um, I remember a guy. He was he was a trained trained serviceman who actually went and brought down this, this man who had had the gun, and yeah. um, and the, the the guy with the gun was at the other end of the carriage. And this man, he just said, I just I got up out of my seat, and I just started walking. Mm. And once I started walking, that's it. I just kept going. Mm. That's all he said. Yeah. That's all he said. Once I started walking, I just kept going. And getting out of the seat was, was the thing. So once he's, once he's moving, where else is he gonna go? <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's not gonna go, oh sorry, and then down <laughs> and then get shot in the back of the head. But he had to, he had to keep going. He had to keep going. And, and it's, it's really true. It's really true. We just, we just have to plod. We just have to plod. We just have to carry on. And um, there's a grace. There's just a grace to keeping going. I think the other thing I'd say is, um, if, you think, if you think you're someone oh, that's, you know, oh, well I'm not cut out for that kind of stuff. I'm not cut out for loading my furniture into a van and not knowing where to live and all of that kind of thing. We're all cut out for that. And there's, there, I promise you, I promise you, there's, like, there's a grace that comes onto you to do stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not cut out like that at all. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind of, yeah, I don't care. You know, go after faith, all of that. I'm very cautious. But once you start going, once you start going, it's the grace that comes. Yeah. So we got there, unloaded the van, buried the van away. And then I thought, what have we just done? <laughs> <laughs> you know? This is not me. This is not, this is not normal for us. Yeah. So it's. Once you're in it, once you've arrived, you just have to keep going. Really important. I don't know how much time I've got now, but well, yeah. Good, good. Um, I think, well, in that case, I think I should stop, and uh, we should keep going, and uh, we should, uh, have a bit of time at, at the end extra for, for Q&A. That's brilliant, yeah. so good. Thanks, Kev.
3: I joke, but uh, I want you to take that feeling because you know we're here in London, we're at a very predominantly English speaking con- uh, conference. but we want to see many churches planted across Europe and beyond, right? And we want to be going to conferences in different nations where actually English is not the first language where there are people of every tribe and nation speaking and it's not just British guys going to nations but Finnish guys going to Africa and French guys going to uh, Asia and you know all over the place and I'm dreaming of that and I pray that we would be more uncomfortable in our listening in a sense because we'll be hearing different languages and the English will be hearing the translation more and more. Anyway that's just an aside that came to me but um, I just wanted to share a little bit um, about our story just to give you a little bit of context. Um, we, I um, first had a feel of call cool to go to France when I was about 16. I was at a, a revive at Stonely Bible Week um, and God first spoke to me then, but then began quite a long period of, of waiting and, and figuring out what that looked like. I went to university in Canterbury and got stuck into the church then. And the real sense of calling of where in France came uh, about... 13 years later, and then the final moving was 16 years after that first call. So the whole place of sort of leaving, grieving, arriving, thriving, it can take quite a long time. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of, well, 16 years before I got to the leaving. <laughs> um, and so sometimes everybody's journey takes different times. Uh, it, it looks different for different people, different contexts. So as has already been said a little bit already, the challenge of trying to, well, my journey doesn't look like that, or that's not my story, or I don't have an amazing prophetic word that's getting me places. That's okay. People have different stories, and hopefully something of what we shared today is gonna just exemplify that a little bit. Um, God did really speak to Mike Betts uh, about a particular prophetic word that I just wanna share to you again, about God giving favor for church planting along the Eurostar line, just as he used the Roman road system two thousand years ago to carry the gospel he was highlighting this man-made structure in our day to do it again Uh, and that particular prophetic word really caught in my heart Um, I caught faith for that Um, and it was not just the the prophetic that came in that helped us steer but also the apostolic ownership. Uh, I first heard about that word when, when a team Mike had led, been over to Lille, had met some church leaders there, had prayed it out, tested it on the ground And for me, that was really important, to be able to leave well, grieve, arrive and thrive, knowing that you're supported and you're part of something greater than just you and perhaps a flash in the pan idea. The Great Commission is valid for everyone, but I feel when you're going on a call, you need some confirmation, be it clarity and prophetic word or just different ways that people might encourage you and confirm it for you. But being part of a family, that it's not just subscribing to a membership plan, it is genuine people who care and invest. And I want to honor these men and women because they have invested richly in me and continue to do so. And we have formed a real closeness that was built over years. So before any of us left, we had journeyed so many things together. We had grown up together. We had learned things together in the faith. And it's not to say that if you join a a church and after a year or so, You feel called and you go, you can still be well-supported, but I want to encourage you to invest in the relationships and the people with whom you are serving now in the churches you're at, because they are the people you're joined to, that you want to uh, feel supported by when you go. Um, We just recently came back to the City Church in Canterbury. each year. We have what we call Global Sunday, when uh, the City Church welcomes back those that they've sent out to plant in the UK and beyond. And uh, there was a really beautiful image uh, that was acted out in practical. Um, there was uh, Tim Wilson, one of the elders, who's, who's quite a, a stocky lad, uh, had this <laughs> massive rope wrapped around his body, and he stood at one end. And there's another chap, um, I don't know if it's public yet, but he's going to plant. Is it public? Yeah. Yeah, so Matt, Matt Spock is planting in the Isle of Sheppey, and he was at the other end holding this big rope, right at the other end. And, and it was this beautiful picture of when uh, people, miners went down into the mines they would be joined to the miners up top who would lower them down but if ever there was a problem it was like tug tug um, but they always had that supply line yeah. uh, and that is what is happening in reality for us we can all testify of that going to different nations we are plugged in not only to relational mission but to ascending church it's beautiful and it's healthy and we wouldn't be able to do it without it We also moved to Leland in 2013. I moved, uh, first just me, Uh, we pushed on the doors for jobs, nothing came through. Uh, I had faith to hand in my notice at the church in Canterbury, And uh, after two weeks of being there, God opened up a job, a full-time job, which was amazing provision. And soon after, my wife Georgina could hand in her notice, come over with our two-year-old daughter Miriam. And I think in in a... I'm not going to... Do too much on leaving, moving, arriving. My major is thriving, but those early years has has been said already. Um, it is a it is a period of kind of obscurity. Um, you sort of punch the air. We're going to leave. Come on, who wants to come? I'll oh, just be okay. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: it's incredibly vulnerable, place. but you, you go and actually that is so important. And whether you go with many people or just yourself. Actually, unless a seed falls to the ground, and dies, it cannot bear much fruit. And for example, when Paul went to Athens, he went and he observed the culture. Mm -hmm. He observed what there was for God to speak into. And I think for us, we were going, needing to do all the admin stuff. If you go to another country, loads of admin. Um, We wanted to build relationships. I was starting a new job. We were growing in our language learning. We needed time. And that's a grace from God. And seasons are so important. How often does Jesus talk about seasons? The garden, the farm, you know, different things that need to take their time in their season. And seasons involve pruning as well. You know, you go with ambition, you go with great dreams. And sometimes it might be yes, but not yet. And the timing of God is something that we have to entrust to Him. Uh, We plant, we water, but God brings the growth. Mm -hmm. And we need to entrust that uh, responsibility to Him. Yesterday, um, I met up with my parents who uh, came down to London. We hadn't seen each other since September, so that was really precious to, to connect together. We went to the British Museum and we went to the Rodin uh, exhibition that's there, a famous uh, French sculpture from the uh, end of the 19th century. And I, you may know some of his sculptures. There's the, the Thinker, you know, the kind of uh, ugly guy, something like that. Um, uh, it's quite a famous one. But there was one that really captivated my attention, and it's called The Walking Man and in fact Kev's already kind of alluded to this very notion but I was really struck by it and quite simply it's just a guy standing like that but um, it was my mum who really sort of caught my attention to it and it was it's just this notion of he's, he's on the move <coughs> but if you think of his body there's one foot in the past one foot in the future but his body's in the present if we can look at it like that and I think thriving means knowing where you've come from and not letting go of that and holding on to the values that you've learnt and before going, ensuring that you have dug into where you're going to leave from. And then of course the future, we go with a vision and we want to look for thriving. This is what the picture will look like. This is the nations, the places we're going to plant and reach. But even more important than perhaps than the past and the future is the present and living life daily well, keeping yourself in the love of God. I think that's something that Terry Terry Virgo, when he's been asked how do you have you kept going so well, you know, referring to that verse in Jude, Keep keeping my heart in the love of God. To thrive, that's that is the essence. Because thriving, we can think quickly about, okay, what can I tell you? Numbers-wise, you know, what testimonies. Those things are important and they're fruit. But I think the essence to thriving is who you are, your identity in Christ and pursuing well. Because Fruitfulness might look different in Helsinki, to Lille, to California, to wherever context you might be called to. And actually being secure yeah. in God's choice of fruit for you, rather than what you imagine it should be or how you compare yourself to be. Mm. Paul says, run the race marked out for you. you know, no point in uh, getting onto an athletics track if you're meant to be in a swimming race. You know, Actually, your race might look different to your brother or sister next to you. So having that past as well together has meant that defeating those wasps and roots of comparison that can rise up really healthy. Because social media can be quite a a flowery, uh, filtered little snapshot. We had this today. And you think, oh, oh, we didn't. But actually, you know, when you connect genuinely with your brothers and sisters on mission, site, like you get the warts and all. And that's really helpful, it's really important. We, we must tell of, of the fruit, the good things. Let me just say a few good things happening in Lille. Recently, um, my wife Georgina and one of our love, Debbie, went out to Serbia in Nish um, in Serbia and had a great time at the prophetic conference came back with a real impartation of the Holy Spirit and we've seen a real fresh wave of the Spirit in our in our game uh, people prophesying for the first time they've never done before mm-hmm. uh, a lady recently said she really wants to get baptized she got baptized as an infant but has now seen work, working through scriptures together she wants to get baptized we've um, in an interesting sense in our Looking to thrive further in France. There's already quite a few uh, New Frontiers Churches in France and the Newground family of churches. We've always been in good relationship with them, but we've said we want to work closely, but still have our distinctness that we are part of relational mission. And actually working through healthfully. What does it mean to be multiple families of churches working into the same nations? That's okay. We should be doing that more. Um, but having those honest conversations between leaders to make sure there's no misunderstandings. So that's really helping us thrive and putting in good things for the future. We're translating the relational mission way of life into (coughs) French at the moment, so we're going to have a good resource to give to new people coming in, and resource the wider body of Christ in France. We're looking to do ID, uh, the Intentional discipleship Course of Relational Mission, uh, in 2019, looking to shape that together, got a few people interested. So, um, and actually I just would like to say one last thing. We're thriving. Uh, because we're also a strong family together. And I want to honour my wife because I would not be uh, being able to do what we're doing. Uh, We would not be thriving if it wasn't for wonderful Georgina and how she invests so well in in me, in the kids. We've got Miriam and Victor who are loving God in their own little way so far. Um, So thriving is um, loving God, loving your family, and if he gives you more grace, love the people around you.
1: Woo!
0: Yeah. Isn't that helpful? So helpful. Right, okay guys, should we um, sit on these on these seats and um has anyone got any questions that you would like to ask? <coughs> Hopefully you have at least one. Yes. But well, they didn't really. I they'd be That's good.
1: When it comes to arriving, yeah. did you have and what were they, like specific convictions and practical strategies for like arriving in a new culture, how you're going to honour that culture, how you're going to interact with it, how, like what specific convictions
0: and strategies did you take for that? Just for the recording, the uh, question was, did we have any specific uh, kind of strategies and convictions of honouring the culture, listening to the culture, but also interpreting the culture as we arrive in our different contexts? Anyone want to start off with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: I think for us like I guess I said we were quite we were quite small so it, the hand was forced in a way but I think the observation time and visiting different churches in Lille was important for us to honor what God was already doing you know we came to the an expression of God's way of reaching the city, but joining other brothers and sisters who are already doing things, perhaps not New Frontiers, but, you know, there are Bible-believing spiritual churches there, so we come to do our part. So, honouring the work of the body of Christ, I think, is a really important strategy. Um, Also, especially as, you know, uh, a a brick going to France, just trying to learn from the culture as much as possible, which means making friends, and ultimately, if we're going to... If we're going to reach people for Christ, you know, we're not trying to move people from churches to churches. It's meeting your neighbours, your friends, your colleagues, investing in friendships, and where there's uh, good fruit, where it's becoming ripe, then then there's relationship that can develop. So, I think you know, it's strategy of arriving. I think honour what God's doing already. Invest in your own family. Invest in the relationships around you. Um, And I think. We'd never planted before, so you're kind of feeling it as you go. You know, as as um, Kev said, you know, it's you, you know, we've got a a compass with no map. You know, as Mike says as well, we're we're trying to feel our way through. And actually, one thing I forgot to mention that struck me at the uh, gallery yesterday was a quote from Rodin about some of his paintings, and that actually most of his sculptures, most of them are incomplete, but they still remain masterpieces. And I think being a strategy is being comfortable in your incompleteness that actually as you go, you know, God qualifies you as you go and that's really important. So a strategy is being happy in your own skin and working it out as you go in the context of learning from good books about planting in the context of being Mm -hmm. uh, accountable to others who've done it but not being too paralyzed by the mechanics loving God well, loving
2: people well. Um, just, um, I think Roger's exactly right, I, I don't think, particularly if you're moving into a completely different culture, I don't think there's a huge amount you can do, you can do some research and stuff, but I think the key thing is just going in with your eyes open and being ready to observe and to, to notice. I think when you, when you first arrive, that first six months, that first one year, it's, quite, it's a very sort of fertile time in terms of what, what, you, can, what you can notice. You know, there's there's a lot that can um, that you can notice that maybe even now, five years in, that we would just take for yeah. granted. So, I think just observe. I think most of, unless you have a strong connection to that culture, then you're not really going to come with very much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just think, I'm, like I said at the end, just I think really loving and verbalising your Love of the new culture you're in is so important. I think we have known of people who've gone to the States and just kind of taken the milk out of it, (laughs) you know, because it's easy to because we think we know it and we we have an idea of kind of what it's like. But I think they kind of expect that, you know, from English people. And um, I think to actually really verbalise your love of what you're seeing, how much you appreciate their country, whatever country you're going into. Or culture, you know, even another city in the UK to actually really verbalise what you love about it, not to focus on the things that are hard you might be missing home, but to focus on what you love about the food, about the buildings, about the parks, you know, finding positive things (laughs) Um, to really focus on and really bring your family into things that are really important to that culture and go to people's houses and experience their food and their celebrations is really important.
0: And tying on from that, obviously, it's a very practical, expression of being a disciple. So we say we're disciples, learners, and a lot of the time, I think, in our spiritual life, we don't know how much I am teachable. You know, God has to relentlessly say that. I think the very, you have to submit, I think, in humility to the culture. You have to, I think you have to keep your mouth shut a lot of the time and just smile, and not in a fake way, but really honour. And particularly, the Br- British people have both a, an amazing cultural in, because a lot of the world knows British things and you know Paddington 2's fame, you know, there's lots of British jokes it does open people like Britain. but there is also baggage that is if you go to New Zealand, if you go to India, if you go to basically anywhere we've kind of at some point both been a blessing and something of a a challenge so I think you have to, you have to be, for us, being positive was, was, was genuine but very, very intentional secondarily Posture of learning slowly. So it, I, I was on, I'm on staff and I could change things, but I deliberately said, year one, I'm changing nothing. I'm coming in, I'm just here to serve. I'll do anything you want me to do on staff and I'm here just to learn how you do it. Even in my head, I'm thinking, what do I do this? <laughs> the third thing is journal like crazy. Write down all the time what you're, watch, what you're seeing. Because it will pass. There will come a time where you'll be part of it. And in those early times, I mean, I was journaling up to 20,000 words a month. So that's kind of a third of the novel every month. Just writing, writing, writing. Because the Holy Spirit said, look at that. Isn't that great? Isn't that interesting? So there's some thoughts. OK, another question? Yes, sir? Um, Can you say something about how you were supported by your sending churches? Question about how we
2: were supported by ascending churches? Um, I'd say I'd say it evolved a lot because I think as we were as we were getting ready to do this I think it was like a first wave perhaps of um, sending people particularly overseas so um, I think it was something we were working out in partnership together I think there were many different phases of that Um, I'd say one of the, one of the, just to, just to give an example, just to give an example, one of the great ways was to be, um, certainly in the early years of being included in a lot of, um, kind of family meetings. So we'd get to, we'd get to kind of Skype in or prepare a little video or something, um, and actually join, join the meeting in, in for, for a little slot and then everyone would kind of reach up their hands and, and, and pray for us and, um, Particularly when we didn't have, really have an actual kind of local church going on at, at that time, um, stuff like that felt really important. But that's only just one example. Also, uh, we formed a, a WhatsApp group
3: and uh, had great intimacy just across that little chat mechanism. Uh, but we connect uh, so we do little you know, updates on Sundays, uh, celebrations and challenges, things like that, uh, which was really healthy and great attitude just work at cheering one another on. Sometimes it comes naturally, sometimes you've had a naff sunday and you're like, oh,
2: well, they did
3: really well, we did not uh, And that's important that yeah, if you're processing that and saying, Lord, you know, redeem that in me. You know, I, I, I just died to that comparison again, um, which is really important. Otherwise you're isolated, you're not hearing the depth. Um, but we also did some uh, intentional material together. We looked at uh, Mike Green's 3DM uh, Building into decipher culture material which was great just to unpack that together um, putting in just some helpful models to how we're discipling because yes we're planting churches but what are churches? they're a collection of disciples we don't build churches, we've, we make disciples that become churches and that's really important that we, we got the right you know nuts and bolts in place but sometimes it was actually let's leave the material this week, let's just love on a couple uh... let's just hear their stories, tell us how's it going, lift the lid on the bonnet of your marriage, and, and just talk talk openly, and because we'd had that depth before, we could, but it wasn't always easy, sometimes, different couples, different moments, it wasn't easy to open up, was the grieving was still real, it was raw, but it was real, and uh, that's again why I think investing before you go in your relationships now, is just so vital think to quote an American word
0: intentionality is everything. Mm-hmm. I think you have to think through how are we going to keep the profile of this very very high at the local sending church? So everything you can think of from website, Sunday morning presents, you know monthly paper public publications, uh, physically flying them back you need to budget that in so that you are paying for them to come back and helping them because they probably haven't got the money to do that regularly. You wanna be every time you have a prayer meeting, getting them on their on their on the kind of agenda for that. Basically everything you think of. So we would often try and Skype them into an elders meeting or if we've got raising leaders meetings locally in Canterbury, how can we can we Skype them in for that? Why not? If we're having we would often, as elders, we'd be praying and then go, hey, let's just bless them, and we'd do a WhatsApp, and we'd all pray and do like a recording WhatsApp thing, you know, so then they would get eight minutes of us, first thing in the morning, prophesying over them, all or, or, or that kind of thing. We would tell the church, we are committed physically to, to, to going out as leaders regularly throughout the year to actually physically be with them. We want you guys to go out. If you've got strong marriages, go out and encourage them and check that they're doing okay. And then I think over time, we've, even, we've also developed a bit of a, a model. So um, with the wonders of sort of joint Skype, if we're saying let's Skype every two months as couples, we can all manage that, you can get up to eight couples on a Skype. And then you would, we would look at four things, spelling the word temp, T-E-M-P. We would look at theological stuff that they're battling with. We would look at emotional health. So all the Peace zero stuff has been a bit of a game changer for us. We're always trying to get that into us. We'd look at marriage. We'd often be thinking how your marriage is doing, and then the fourth thing would be the practical coaching side of things. And and it's not that we cover all those obviously each time, but over almost like a, a you know a several year um, time frame, we're thinking these are those four. If we can really narrow those big four, that's going to really support them as they're in their isolated position. So trying to be intentional in terms of what we're actually aiming to, to do and support them.
1: Yeah, just two other things. Um, So we had that with with kind of the four couples, four uh, with us and then the three plants. Um, I also set up a little WhatsApp group for the girls, for the wives, just if, you know, where there could be more personal things that were shared or prayer requests, which maybe they didn't want to share with the guys as well, which was really good. And then also Global Sunday, I think, has been so amazing. City Church... um, We've been doing that too, three years, three years. Three years, and I just think in terms of raising the profile for the whole church of church planting, and that we're an international church. You know, we do we do really believe in um, sending people to the nations. We believe in sending people across the UK. We resource that. We we give to it physically, prayerfully, um, and it's just. Um, each of those global Sundays has been just such an incredibly kind of upbeat, faith building um, place to be, I think. Um, and just really celebrating. It's just been a real celebration. It hasn't been like, oh, it's really hard, although it can be hard. It's just been a real celebration, not just of these guys going, but of us sending and um, and we've had also like we've had videos of people of students you know who've gone might not be planting but they've gone all over the world and we've got loads of people to do little 10 second videos of you know i'm now in scotland or i'm in wales and i lead a welsh speaking church you know these are people who are students in our church So I think it, um, yeah, that just just breeds this faith in people. They might not be the guys who go off to lead the plants, but they can be part of something across the world and just have that kind of attitude of wanting to go, no matter no matter whether you go or stay, you know. Final quick
0: thing is, um, when I led the the eldership, I had sabbatical. On that sabbatical, God said, supporting these guys is a priority, so you have to drop lots of things so I literally came back I said to the team that's what I feel God's saying to me so for me to physically go out regularly for me to, th- to have mental space to think about them I can't do everything I was doing and that wasn't easy but we sensed God was in it so I would say if you're, if you're on the team or particularly a team leader I don't think there's a shortcut for you personally not just intending to do it but having capacity to do it we've got time for one more real quickie so
2: how much did you have to change the way you do church to meet
1: the local culture Uh, the gentleman said Mm -hmm. how much did we have to change the way we do
2: church to meet the local culture um i don't think it, it wasn't so much to meet the local culture it was just that we were really coming into a, it, it was it was starting a new church so a lot of what we thought you know coming from a, a, a church of three four hundred what what would seem to be the important stuff suddenly isn't the important stuff but you don't necessarily know that and you try out different things so i think it, i think it's a lot to do with just finding a groove about what are the what are the essential ingredients like why, why do we why do we even meet together on a Sunday, what what are we wanting people to, you know, how's that channeling into into making disciples? Um, the dangers are you can just become like a kind of events organizer really where you're you're running around, you're moving equipment around to make this thing so that people can sit down and have have a kind of familiar experience of, of a Sunday meeting. Um, so I think stripping that back, um, what why do we why do we even come together? What does what does um, what does success look like for a, for a Sunday? Um, what are the main what are the main things that you'd like to see? Um, and then I guess how does that how does that connect to what the church experiences in that culture? I think that's the other thing because Morris alluded to it last night that we we come with this really rich DNA, but that that DNA um, isn't isn't all around the world, and there's lots of different ways that people, uh, lots of different thoughts that people have when, when you say the word church. And so in Finland, in Finland the church is Lutheran. It's very, you know, it's very strongly Lutheran. It looks a certain way, it smells a certain way, it is, it is a certain way, and, and to be doing this other thing in this really informal setting. Uh, I remember talking to a neighbor about our church and she was really interested in our church. And it was, it was a great conversation that we were having. And uh, I had a photo of our Sunday meeting on my phone. I said, oh, look, here's a, here's a photo of one of our meetings. And we had, the chairs were in a kind of semicircle. And there wasn't a kind of altar and all of this stuff. And she, she just looked at me and said, that's not a church. That's not a church. Who's the, who's the priest? But, and we thought we were talking the same language Mm. but we're actually completely talking about two different things and um, i think figuring out what what the what the experience of church is Mm. what does the word church even mean in so in finnish the word church it just really really means like a, a building and a you know a very a very traditional very formalized practice of religion that people just come to so this idea of groups and this what we love, this kind of family culture, is a completely new thing.
3: Um, I think it begins with friends, food, and the gospel, as Andy Moore has written a great book about. Uh, read it, it's very good. And it's, yeah, it's keeping it, it strips back because you're only a few of you. You can't do a big, hello, Emily, you know, big uh, <laughs> thing. It's, there's no point, you look silly. Um, so just be intimate and, and generate depth together, around the words, eating together, uh, building strong relationships. Uh, I think for us in France, in a similar way, I think the predominant expression of Christianity is Catholic, Um, and so there is an expectation of, you know, the priest uh, essentially leads you, mediates you to God. There are some great Catholic churches in France, but I think generally the experience is is of that sort of access to God through him, and so I wanted to work hard, and part of us going there, I wanted to get full-time work. I'm a project manager in a, in a marketing company, uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of forced to not be always available, which forces me to raise up others, to help disciple and lead. And my, my ideal is that we built a team, and that as we're growing, we started just a few Brits, now we're a few Brits and some French, and we started bilingually, and now we're just doing everything in French, and we're, we set the culture to who we wanted to reach. Um, and so it's more about the heart, before the form, because the form will change. But if you set the heart right from the beginning, you can never relay foundations. You lay the foundations well at the beginning, and then you can build, and the building will take different shapes as you grow. Um, so that's <coughs> <Yeah. Very good. coughs> well. We've gone over
0: time a little bit. So um, can you just put your hands together and thank these guys for? <clears throat> the, um,
1: Is Steph still here? No. Steph's seminar, Steph and Morris' seminar is on church planting tomorrow.
3: Is it in here? Yeah. Yeah. In here too. So go to that one too. Just to say there's a Pioneer Zone set up as well where different church planters, people in pioneering situations will be there manning the stand at different times if you just want to grab anyone and chat through, pray through, talk about, then we'll be there.
1: Yeah, Lord Jesus, we... um, we just want to thank you so much Lord for your favor Lord it is so exciting just hearing these stories of how you have called you have planted you have watered people have come to know you Jesus Lord we are we're just so grateful we're so grateful for the journey God um so grateful for the times when we are in obscurity um where we've been able to go deeper in our relationship with you, God. and um, I just pray for each and every person here, wherever they're at on their journey, God, I just pray that they um, would have soft hearts to you today, they would have listening ears. Lord, I just uh, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and speak powerfully to people. I pray for words of knowledge, Pray for pictures. I pray um, these few days would be a significant time just in their story, God, of you calling them to fresh things, Jesus. To calling them to, yeah, just to be part of your plan for for this nation and for the nations, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen.
0: Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the day.